Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 50. Yes, episode 50. It's our milestone episode uh, so far and we've got a bumper of a show for you. For those of you that know me, my name is Baz, I am your host and uh, this show has been recorded on Friday the 9th of April and uh, we'll shortly be joined by Chris Frayne. He'll bring his maritime history and we're talking uh, cruise milestones in the, the nautical terms. And uh, he will also bring along a bumper edition of Cruise News because we were away last week so we've got two weeks worth of Cruise News to uh, update you on. And then a little later in the show, Pete will be back. Uh, Pete and uh, he uh, will be talking about some of the the milestones that he achieved and witnessed whilst uh, working on board the cruise ships for all the years that he did. And then towards the end of the show, we also have our friends from Princess Cruises joining us. Nick will be updating us on Ocean Medallion and all different things when it comes to uh, the restart for Princess. So a pretty packed show. Uh, a quick shout out to uh, to Paolo. In the last episode, we. Uh, Ask for volunteers if you've got a cruise booked, be it in Singapore, Taiwan, the UK, elsewhere in Europe, or any of the new cruises out of the Bahamas. Uh, do get in touch. We'd love to uh, to hear from you and get a review of your cruise once you have completed it. Paolo got in touch. He's got two cruises booked on Cunard, and he'd love to share those experiences with us. And we have popped you in the diary, and uh, we look forward to hearing about those experiences as well. So same again. If you if you have a cruise booked, let us know. We'd love you to be a part of the show. And if you also have a, a question that you want uh, either myself, Chris, or Pete to uh, to answer, then uh, get in touch via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. In the top right-hand corner, there is the uh, Join the Show tab, and that's where you can send through your question or send through your ship details for a review which you would like to complete. But let's get straight into it. Let's head straight over and talk to Chris about maritime history. And it's 
first part of the show, so we always welcome our good friend, maritime historian and all things cruise news, Chris Frame. Welcome back to episode 50. Hey, thanks, Baz. I can't believe it. 50 times you've welcomed me to the show now. It's been great. <laughs> I know, time has flown. We obviously took a week off last week, uh, being yeah. Easter, so we've got a bumper stack of news, mm. but we thought the theme of today's podcast could be kind of around milestones. I mean, 50 yeah. is only a small milestone in podcasting, but um, obviously there's lots of milestones throughout a, a ship's planning and ship's career, etc. And I thought you could bring in the kind of historical elements of, um, I guess, some sure. of the things like the coin ceremony, uh, oh, yeah. naming ceremonies and things like that. So over to you, mate. Where did it all start? So do you want to start with coin ceremonies? Yeah, why not? Sure. Cool. Okay. So if you go on a cruise ship these days, you, you not all of them, um, but you might notice on some of them that near the, near the mast of the ship at the front of the ship, generally in a location which is visible to passengers these days, there might be a display, um, sort of like a, a, a metallic kind of rectangular box with a glass front on it. Mm-hmm. And inside there, you'll notice, you may notice some coins. And um, that is actually a tradition that dates way back to the age of sailing ships. Now, originally what would happen is when a ship's keel was laid, so back mm-hmm. when they used to build them, um, and they still do lay the keel now, but it's not quite done in the same way. They they used to build like a wooden um, set of blocks on the um, floor of the dock, I suppose, mm-hmm. a dry dock, or if it was being built on land, you know, on the slipway, basically, where they used to launch them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the keel, which was, which was originally in wooden terms, the big piece of wood that ran down the bottom of the, the, the very bottom of the ship, which of which all of the rest of the ship's um, skeletal structure, I suppose, was built from. Yeah. And then later, of course, Baz, it was um, metallic ships as well, iron and steel. They'd put some coins on the wooden blocks, and as the ship was being built, it would sort of sit on top of these coins and sort of push them into the wood. Yep. Um, then what would happen is that, so those coins wouldn't go with the ship. That was just done for good luck as the ship was being built. Then when they right. were ready to launch the ship or because many ships were launched, of course, without their masts attached, um, that was added later during the fitting out, when they were ready to attach the masts, they would put the coin of the country where the ship was built. So if it was British, it would be a, a British coin. If it was French, a French coin, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at the base of the mast, the main mast, and that was, again, it was, it was originally riveted in, then you know modern times welded. Um, and that would stay with the ship. It was kind of like a symbol of its completion and sort of a token of good luck that would go with the ship as it went around the world for its career. So today, they they still do that from many shipyards. Um, it wasn't something that was done by all shipyards. So like the old British ocean liners that we all know okay. so well didn't have um, at least visible to the public coins in boxes kind of thing. But the modern-day ships, they cruise ships, they do. And it is a sort of paying homage to those old um, old traditions. Now, if I think about a ship that I, I know very well, um, so the Queen Elizabeth, for example, current mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth, yeah. she, she's interesting because she's actually got three coins. And the it's below the bridge, it's below the mast, rather, on the, on the sports deck, and it has a... Um, a coin from ni- from the nineteen uh, from nineteen thirty eight, a British coin from nineteen thirty eight, which was in significance of the original Queen Elizabeth, 
which right. was launched in 38. And that's in the old pre-decimal currency. It's one of the old, um, old, old, old British pound coins. And then next to it, they have a, um, a, a coin from 1967, which was in significance of the QE2. And then uh-huh. next to that one, they have the coin from uh, 2010, which is when Queen Elizabeth came into service. Um, wow. But when she was being built, of course, they had she was being built in Italy, and they had the Italian coin under the keel. So yep. um, that's the coin ceremony part. Was was there? A, what was the next one you'd like to know about? Well, I guess that kind of leads into uh, christenings and naming ceremonies and godmothers. Sure. Okay. So you'll know, and listeners will know that many ships. I mean, ships from all the way back. There is like a. a with many of them, there was a ceremony to sort of name the ship, and they would have somebody who would say, you know, I named this ship, uh, I don't know, Coronia, um, may may God bless her and all who sail on her, and then the, the bottle of sparkling wine would smash on the bow, and off she'd mm-hmm. go um, and have her, have her career. Now, fun fact, this wasn't something that was done by all shipping companies, and in fact, the most famous ship in the world, the Titanic, was never christened. And oh, okay. Yeah, and none of the whites. This everyone's like, oh, the Titanic wasn't christened. It was a bad omen. No, no, no. The, none of the White Star Line ships were christened. It was not a White Star Line tradition. They their tradition oh. was not to do that. They had this sort of saying that we just builds them and toss them in. Basically, they just get them <laughs> get them off on their way, and they so they would announce the name of the ship well in advance. Which is why if you look on uh, Wiki, you know Wikimedia and um, other. Um, uh, the the commons and Flickr's uh, creative yep. commons and that you can find images of um, Titanic and Olympic being built and the big signs are there with their names already like people already knew what they were going to be called mm-hmm. but the the old tradition was of course that the ship was named and many ships I mean ships of P and O and of Orient and of Cunard and uh, many of the um, ships from the from the uh, German shipping lines like Deutsche Lloyd and Hamburg America they all had and the French line they all had people who who would name them now usually this was a, a female who would name the ship and yep. funny enough when you look through the archives it was quite often um, like the wife of the general manager or you know the wife of the managing director um, <laughs> but but on certain occasions it was somebody who was not connected so um, if we're going to separate that from the godmother tradition you've got her, her Majesty the Queen is a is a good one to to a good person to look at. Yep. Um, she christened the Coronia of, in 1949, which was her last public engagement before um, she got married. Okay. Um, and of course, um, you know, with, with this podcast coming out when it when it does, we we probably shouldn't go past that without acknowledging, of course, the, the passing of of, um, of Prince Philip, and he was he was there with her. Um, for the naming of Coronia, but they they were not yet um, they were not yet married at that stage. It was the last engagement before their wedding. Um, and then moving forward, she she named um, QE two Queen Elizabeth II, um, which caused a little bit of a stir. That's a story for another podcast um, <laughs> because the ship wasn't intended to be named Queen Elizabeth II. But we'll, we'll again we'll talk about that some other time. Okay, I'm noting that. Yes, write that, that down. Is. That's a good one. That's a good interesting story. And if anyone's interested, leave a leave a, a comment on the podcast, and we'll we'll come back to that one. But she also named the Queen Mary II. She named the Oriana for P and O in 1995. Uh-huh. She named the yep. um, Britannia for P and O, and the Queen Elizabeth, the current Queen Elizabeth. So, but she's oh. not their godmother. She's just the person who christened the ship. 
Right. The godmother tradition is more like a, a ship sponsor, I suppose. It's and in and in some places, I mean, when Italy particularly, which is where, of course, many of these ships are built, is called the Madrina. Yeah. And Queen Elizabeth, for example, for Cunard and the um, um, Britannia, they also have a, a, a Madrina as well. Um, and quite often, these people will be involved in in, in naming um, the ship, the ship sponsorship godmother. Uh, when Pacific um, Eden for example, was re- renamed. She was an old Holland America line ship, and when she was renamed, um, it was done by Kate Ritchie, who used to be, of yeah. course, on Home and Away, and she became um, – I think she does something on one of the radio stations now, and she, she yeah. became um, the, the, the godmother of Pacific Eden while she was with P&O. But there's some other really interesting ones. Um, so Oprah is the godmother yeah. of New Staten Dam. Um, Melania Trump of Norwegian Jewel. Um, Princess – or Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge, um, for the Royal Princess, uh, and Whoopi Goldberg for Serenade of the Seas. So, um, but there's a, there's a there's a lot of different ships that have um, have 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 godmothers, and then there's a lot of companies that don't do that still, who who just do either a christening or um, or take the white star line approach. So it's not a mandatory, but it's a nice little tradition that dates all the way back to those early early um, early passenger ships. I'm just trying to think, is it MSC or Costa that has the same godmother for each of their ships? I'm thinking it's an Italian actress, and I can't mm. quite think of her name right now. You know, I'll have to look into that one. Um, Sophia Loren. Oh, yes, of course, yes. But I can't remember if it was if it's Costa or um, or MSC. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll do that one with the QE2 one. <laughs> <laughs> and if any cruise lines are listening and they want to move on from the godmother we are open to being godparents it's a, a possibility if, if anybody's looking for a, a, yeah. a male <laughs> yeah. and name this ship the big cruise podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. very nice and i guess that leads on nicely next to uh inaugural voyages yes yeah, so the inaugural voyage is the maiden voyage um so uh if you are a keen observer of um the construction and uh, sort of fitting out and, and, and preparation of a ship's service, you will notice that the maiden voyage is not necessarily the first voyage. Mm-hmm. And another, you know, Titanic's another very famous example. Her maiden voyage, she sank, but she had sailed before um, her maiden voyage. And um, this is because they, they firstly do their, tri- their trials, their sea trials. Mm-hmm. Um, and then quite often they'll do a... Um, like a shakedown cruise or a series of shakedown cruises, which are fully, like full cruises, they're voyages, but they're not considered the first voyage because the maiden voyage is generally considered to be the one which the first voyage with the ship with its undertaking its main purpose. So it's got its, if it's a passenger ship, it's got its full complement of passengers, it's got its crew on board. If it's a container ship or a cargo ship, it's carrying its cargo for the first time, that sort of thing. So, the, the shakedown cruises are very important because it allows the new crew an opportunity to familiarize themselves with the ship and get things ready. And quite often you'll find that the shakedown cruises, they'll invite the families of the shipyard workers or yeah. the company or um, media. I mean, like Scarlet Lady, for example, did some shakedown cruises with um, the Virgin Voyages with with media on board, and then was going to go across to start her maiden voyage, and of course, COVID happened. Um, when QE two did her maiden boy or her shakedown cruises rather in the nineteen sixties, her her engines played up, um, oh, and wow. they had to um, fix some of those problems. 
Um, and that's, I guess, the main reason why they do it like that. But the maiden voyage itself is that first commercial voyage where triumphantly the ship will leave with a big fanfare. It will do whatever it's supposed to do in that maiden experience and, and off it, on off it goes. Now, on the old ocean liners, this was a voyage, like it was the transatlantic or it came to Australia or whatever. Now it's a bit more like of a cruise experience, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and even the last ocean liner in the world, QM2, um, her maiden voyage was not a transatlantic crossing in the sense of a direct voyage. She actually did a transatlantic cruise where she sailed down um, the coast of Africa and then across in the southerly route and then went to Florida rather than to New York. And it wasn't until okay. April that she did her maiden transatlantic crossing and that actually was when she became flagship. She didn't become the flagship of Cunard until after that maiden transatlantic crossing. So QE2 held on to that flagship status for an extra few months. So, yeah, so mm. she, she she really is in a bit of an exception, I suppose, because she's that dual-purpose liner. But all of the other ones, the maiden voyage is really that first voyage when you're doing what you were built for. Yeah, I've done a few shakedown cruises and I've also been a paid passenger on a few inaugural voyages and uh, there's nothing better than that new ship smell. It's, uh, yeah. it's it's even better than a new car smell. Yeah, I mean, I've been on a, on a few um, first voyages after ships have been handed over from different companies. Yeah. Um, like they've been re- refurbished for their new use with a new company and, um, you know, speaking to a crew member and asking them where something is and them saying, I'm not too sure, let's go and find it together, you know, because they're so new <laughs> to it all. Whereas yeah. once they've been on board, it's like, um, you know, they know where everything is and um, things are a bit more normal. So that's the idea is, is it's supposed to be that, that way to to make sure yeah. that when the first real fair-paying passengers are coming and the reviews are going to start coming in, all that sort of stuff, that, that everybody is, true experience. you know, yeah, yeah. exactly, that the ship's ready. Brilliant. Chris, we're going to take a short break uh, because we've got a bumper session of cruise news, given that we've got two weeks worth, so we'll be back in just a second. No worries. Hello, it's me again. Just a quick reminder. Um, if you want to help keep this podcast on air, there's a little way that you can do it. If you're familiar with Patreon, which other podcasters and YouTubers use, that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them. We use something similar, but we use a system called Buy Me A Coffee. Um, just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop. Very, very similar, although you're not physically buying me a coffee, you're making a small donation. And every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air. And the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you are then receive priority access to the podcast because all of our supporters do receive the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live and uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for itunes and the other podcast directories to to pick it up so if you would like uh, that priority access then the easiest way to do so is to support us via buy me a coffee you can buy one coffee you can buy two coffees you can buy 10 coffees or you can buy a whole year supply it's entirely up to you but every single uh, little donation through buy me a coffee is greatly appreciated the links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode. Thanks in advance. Okay, now we've got two weeks of cruise news to get through. So, Chris, we're going to start off with a whole different uh, news articles that are coming out of the UK. Obviously, we know that cruising is expected to restart during the northern summer at some stage. But let's uh, jump into celebrity first of all. Uh, what are they planning to do? Yeah, so they're actually joining in on the UK restart. Um, and I don't know about you, Baz, but the me- media release inbox is just flooding <laughs> with stuff from um, the cruise lines at the moment. So it's it's great yeah. to see. But um, they'll be sending silhouette um, on their uh, UK voyages um, starting in July. 
And there's six to eight night voyages, which will actually take in the UK's very famous Jurassic Coast. So that sounds pretty cool. Um, And again, like it's part of that UK-based, UK resident restart that's happening in, in, in Britain. Brilliant. And that kind of lends into the sister brand for Royal Caribbean. Not only are they doing uh, cruising in the UK, they're also offering a uh, special for the uh, frontliners. Exactly. So if you live in America, you know if there's a problem, you dial 911. If you're in Australia, it's triple zero. But in the UK, it's 999. And so as a result of this, RCI has been very clever and they're offering 999 free cruises to emergency workers. And these are people from both the Armed Forces and the NHS. Um, and these voyages, I think you can um, you can get it on board for like a four to eight night, depending on when you want to travel. Um, and, of course, there's all of the, the usual COVID um, safe things that are being implemented there. But Royal Caribbean's also um, got sort of multiple good news stories as well because as listeners will know and as you know, Baz, They've been successfully cruising out of Singapore for quite some time, over 50,000 passengers safely transported on board Quantum, and they've just um, announced that they're going to be extending that season as well. Yeah, which is great news. Um, They're doing so well up there, and that also keeps that ship close to our shores so that when we can restart, hopefully it will uh, venture down to Australia as well. Yes, yes, please bring her here. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Disney was a bit of a surprise. Uh, They occasionally dabble in the the UK market, but not in a big way, but they've also decided to uh, send a ship over for the Northern Summer. Well, they have. The funny thing is with Disney is um, they had planned to do um, some voyages with Disney Magic out of the UK before all of this covid um, interruption came in in place, and so Disney Magic herself has actually sat out the pandemic in Dover for the most part, um, oh. well away from her usual home, well away from her fleet mates. Um, so quite lonely there for her. But she's been going out like they all do to do the the, the, the water exchanges and to make sure the machinery and all that sort of thing is still working. So they've decided to to keep her there. She'll be doing well, not in Dover, but in the UK. She'll be doing staycation-style voyages, um, so voyages that include Southampton, Newcastle, Tilbury, which I thought was interesting because the ship itself I don't think can get into Tilbury, so they must be working some way yeah. to get people from London, I suppose, out to, to the ship. Um, and there'll be three- to four-night voyages um, with her. And then Disney's also got a new build underway. Yeah, which is of course, the Disney, Disney Wish. Yes, which is very exciting. They'll be bigger than their current... Um, um, than their current uh, fleet of ships uh, at 144,000 tons. And she's a, a liquidified natural gas-powered ship. So this is part of this new environmentally conscious push. Um, and each of the Disney ships, it's quite interesting to look at them, but they've all got hull, very very elegant, it's not, not over the top, hull art on the bow, which is kind of like something that you might have seen on the old, um, funnily enough, the old... Hamburg America liners and the Norddeutsche Lloyd liners used to have this gold sort of emblems on the front. So they all have that on Disney because the Disney ships are designed to look like sort of retro ocean liners, which is pretty cool. And uh, uh, Disney Wish is going to be featuring Minnie Mouse. So she will be the the feature of the Hullard um, Mm -hmm. in the crest. And I don't know, uh, they haven't said anything yet, but each of the other Disney ships also has a character hanging over the stern. So one of them, I think, I think, um, Dream maybe might have Goofy or there's there's Pluto and uh, Mickey yep. Mouse and they're kind of painting the name on the back of the ship. 
And um, I guess if Minnie Mouse is a theme, maybe it will be her doing that. I'm not too sure. But look out for that because it's always very fun to see which, which characters they've got in, incorporated into the ship's design. Yeah, no, excellent news all round. And uh, Virgin Voyages, uh, not wanting to miss out, have also said that they will be sailing out of the UK. Yeah, because, I mean, their ships, uh, Scarlet Lady and Valiant Lady, they're both um, laid up uh, in, in Europe at the moment. So right. Scarlet Lady had gone across to, to the Americas, but she, she came home back to her where she was built because uh, the, obviously cruising wasn't going to resume there anytime, uh, anytime soon. Uh, and so they'll be doing a sneak peek, um, long weekend-style voyages, um, with her out of Portsmouth or a weekday offering as well. So you can cruise from Friday to Monday or from Monday to Friday. Yeah, and great to see you know different ports are being used by all these different cruise lines. We're not seeing mm. everything out of Southampton. We've got Portsmouth here, we've heard of Dover, we've heard of Liverpool and Newcastle. So we're really sharing the love around exactly. the UK. I mean, but you think about great. it as well, Baz, is like, you know, obviously you've got Southampton, which is still the, the, the primary port. It's it's also the primary one of the primary you know um, logistics ports as well. So they're dealing with a lot mm. of that. But you know they were they are home to Cunard P and O to the regular Royal Caribbean presence there to the Princess presence, but they don't you you know the UK market doesn't usually host Disney or Virgin yeah. or you know all these different ships because they're opening up again. So many ships are coming there. It is lovely to see that they're um, expanding it out to 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 various ports and some historic ports as well. I mean Portsmouth, obviously yeah, naval base, naval very historic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and some of the other ones as well, um, Newcastle, Dover. Um, these these are these are proper like established ports that just haven't really seen the cruise traffic, but they're very busy with ferries and lots of other stuff. So they've got the infrastructure. Yeah, for sure. Um, a big UK brand saga. Um, obviously, we're anticipating that they would come out with something. They've announced and sorry, they've announced that their two new ships will indeed be sailing uh, X UK this this northern mm-hmm. summer. Yes, exactly. So Spirit of Discovery. Um, which has been in service before the the, the pause, but still a very new ship. Um, she'll be doing British Isles voyages um, and cruises that include Scotland as well, which is quite um, quite nice. It's not just limited to to England. Um, and then the Spirit of Adventure, which is the almost identical sister ship, but and you know slightly newer, hasn't yet been in service as a mm-hmm. with fair paying passengers. So we'll have her maiden voyage. Um, she'll be departing Tilbury. Um, in July on her maiden um, cruise, and it's a it's a big round UK voyage taking in the whole you know if I list out all the ports, we'll be here until tomorrow. But it's like a lot of different <laughs> locations there to sort of welcome her to the fleet. Yeah, no, it's great news. Um, and another brand also including the UK is of course Norwegian Cruise Line with a July return. Yes, absolutely. So NCL back. I mean they've already they've already had a presence in in the UK and Europe anyway, but it's nice to see that they're coming back, and they're also going to be establishing cruises. Um, in the Caribbean. Now, they have said that they'll be doing a a 60-ish percent capacity, so the ships won't be full. And I think that's the thing with all of these cruise ships. I don't don't think any of them, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think any of them are sailing at 100% capacity as part of the first phase of this. Yeah. Um, But they'll be using three of their their smaller ships, but they're, you know, historically they're not small, but they're small compared to what we have these days. They've got the Gem, the Jade, and the Joy. Um, And so in Europe, it's going to really focus on voyages, um, that will also include uh, the, the Greek Isles, and then in the Caribbean, they'll be taking in places like Jamaica and the Dominican Republic. Um, and in order to sort of, I suppose, document this very strange experience of the cruise poor slash restarting a cruise industry, they've actually also announced that they're going to make their own documentary about this. Um, yeah, which will be interesting to see. I look forward to to you know I've 
and as you have too, I, um, Baz, through the podcast, but also on my on my YouTube, I've done a lot of lot of research into what it takes to shut down these ships and what it takes to switch them back on again. And it'll be great to see, like firsthand from on board, what NCL's gone through. Yeah, and NCL, this is going to be an online documentary that you can watch. Uh, first one's airing on the 16th of April at uh, 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Time. Um, that'll be oh, what would that be about 8 a.m. for us here in Perth now that we've got the two-hour time difference. But it's mm. available, obviously, around the world. Just to head up to the, the NCL uh, website and uh, follow the, the links to Embark, which will be a four-part docuseries, as uh, we've mentioned there. Cool. Now, staying with the Norwegian family, um, their luxury uh, sister, Regent, is doing incredibly well for 22. Well, yes. I mean, we've, there's a few as well, not just in the NCL family, but in others that are just, um, you know, basically going to have to start thinking about opening up future years, I imagine, because our region has um, already half sold out its 2022 season. So you've only got 50% chance of getting on, on the ship now. So um, <laughs> that's, that's really exciting for them. And then um, another brand, which is also, you know, that kind of, um, you know, high-end market is is Viking, um, and the Viking Venus has sold out. Um, yeah, her, less than a week. <laughs> I know it's re- it's remarkable, and it's so popular she is. Um, they have added two new voyages um, into her itinerary to try and give people more opportunity to sail with her. And then uh, Vikings also said that they'll be sending the Viking Orion on cruises to Bermuda. Um, with voyages from Hamilton, which is one of the the ports there in in Bermuda and the capital, I think, of Bermuda. Yeah, no, no. Um, Exciting news all around for them. We've also got a restart date for Seabourn, also in that luxury space as well. Yes, Seabourn luxury cruising again, restarting um, Greek cruises uh, aboard the Ovation, and that will start in July. Um, And then Seabourn's also working on on a new ship, Seabourn Venture, which is a um, sort of a, a bit more of a, a smaller expedition niche kind of ship. Um, yep. I guess taking Seabourn back to its roots a little bit because the Seabourn ships used to be quite small um, and now they're, you know, they're fair size. You know, they're, they're still, they're not large ships by today's standards, but they're much bigger than they were. But they're, they're building this, this, uh, this ship in multiple shipyards and she's just had her hull moved across to Genoa for completion and mm-hmm. she's due out in... Um, and what will be early 2022, so our you know, southern summer and then northern winter. Yeah, she'll be heading up to, to Norway to start that uh, inaugural season. Mm. season. Speaking of Genoa, um, Genoa being in Italy, of course, the Italians have said no thank you to big ships in Venice. Yes. So, one, I mean, th- this has been a long time it's coming, been I think. For a long yeah, time, I, 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 um, having stood on the deck of the, of the Queen Elizabeth and watched the arrival into Venice, I mean, it is one of the most spectacular things to stand there and see those icons but on the flip side of course when you're on the on the land and you see the big cruise ships coming past and stuff and you can, can see the the impact that it makes on the on the water so there's been a lot of a lot of concern about that so they've now said that that ships of 40,000 tons or above have to use the cargo port which is quite far out from mm-hmm. the main area as a as an interim process i think they're working on a on a more um uh, permanent solution for the long term, but these things aren't aren't easy. Um, so yeah. forty thousand tons. I mean, back in the day, that was a very big ship, but these days, <laughs> of course, it's it's considered small ship cruising. So you'll still get your um, you, you know, your boutique or um, the luxury cruise ships being able to go into the traditional port there, but the big the big ships um, 
the ones that you would most likely have seen if you're in Venice and you're staying there in Piazza San Marco and the big ship goes past, it's quite spectacular, but they won't be doing that anymore. Um, and that will allow, um, hopefully, for the people who are trying to preserve those those buildings that are obviously battered by the water all the time um, to have a slightly easier time of it. So, Yeah, yeah, as we say, it, it, it first came up around about 2013 from memory and it's been bubbling away in different formats, but now the decision is made. And it's, it's good in a way because it allows the cruise lines to plan properly now of and course, not be in yeah. this kind of... And there was some talk about all cruise ships being banned completely and all that sort of stuff. And so I think this has sort of found a sort of steady medium, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the majority of visitors to Venice actually arrive by air. It's it's not uh, it's not only cruises that no, no, of uh, bring yeah. large numbers of people into here. And staying in that luxury space once again, Crystal, um, they are announcing their inaugural deployment for their newest expedition ship, Crystal Endeavour. Yeah, so Endeavour, she's an interesting ship, 20,000, just over 20,000 tonnes, um, a luxury ship. Um, it's... <laughs> reportedly costs half a billion American dollars to build. So it just gives you some indication as mm-hmm. to what sort of spec they must be putting on this thing. And it's got a polar class hull, which again, of course, anything like that does increase the price tag, which allows sure. it to do those voyages into the Arctic and the Antarctic. Um, but uh, 200 passengers on board, set to debut in, I believe it's July of this year, Baz? Um, yes, I believe so, yeah. And uh, five... To ten night cruises are the offerings, and it will be going up into the Arctic as its initial um, initial itinerary. Um, and of course, it'll be summertime up there uh, in July. So the ice, of course, being as it is at the moment, um, will allow them to get further into that um, that Northwest Passage, I think, than than what we could have done sort of twenty thirty years ago. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken a lot over the last kind of twelve months or so that you know these shipyards are still managing to, to to bring out these beautiful new vessels that have been at the planning stage for so long mm. and yes there have been some some delays along the way due to covid and supply mm. issues but things are heading in the right direction and all these new ships are coming out and getting ready for their uh, inaugural seasons which is great news all around yeah i mean one of the questions that i have been getting quite a bit is like why are they still building new ships whilst everything is paused i mean of course it's probably a bit irrelevant now but we're starting to see um, things picking up again, but like in the middle of last year where it was all doom and gloom, they were still building ships. And I did a video on that that kind of just goes into like the steps that are taken. I used Iona as an example, PNO's new, oh, new yeah. ship, but like from, from order to completion, it's like a five, 10, I mean, sometimes it's even longer year process. Um, but then it comes to the idea and then the planning and then the design, yep. all that sort of stuff. So, if anyone's wondering, like, what on earth, then they can always check that video out. Brilliant. Yes, Shameless course, plug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Chris's uh, link to his YouTube channel is in the show notes. He has changed the name, but you can still find it by the previous name or the new one. Just, just remind us what that, that is. Of the course, new Chris. one's at Chris Frame Official, but if you've still got at Chris Cunard, that's also fine too. Excellent. And uh, there is just two little last bits of news, which are all around vaccines. Basically, we know that many cruise lines have said that uh, vaccinations will be required to cruise. Who are the latest two to make their announcements? Yeah, so it's both Windstar and Riviera. Both have now obviously indicated that you need to be vaccinated to, to travel, but they just join a long list of cruise lines that are saying that at the moment. Um, so, you know, I think uh, this is another way for people to feel like when they're on board the ship, that the most has been done to ensure that they're safe. Um, Chris, I know you haven't got any uh, new videos this week because you are taking a little break for the for the school holidays. Uh... But I was I will say that the, the video from the video from two weeks ago is is one that I I, I wouldn't um, mind just reminding listeners of if I could. Sure. Um, and we're talking a lot about how 
all these cruise lines are coming back. Well, if you're wondering what is required to actually get them started again, because these ships have been sitting for 12 months in layup with a hundred and something crew on board, how are we going to get yeah. it back to a thousand crew fully operational? And some of the little things that you might, well, little things, some of the big things that you might not think about, like one of the most difficult things to do is to reactivate the ship's galley, for example. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know about that, there's a video on my YouTube channel that um, that could do with some love. Yeah, no, I did watch that one, Chris. I watched most of them, but that one was very, very good. Thank I you very much. I recommend people Appreciate taking it. a little listen to that. Um, Chris, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you very, very much for your time once again. And uh, I'm for sure Friday I'll be here before we know it, and we'll have a whole heap of cruise news and maritime history to talk about once again. Thank you. Happy half a century, Baz. <laughs> Cheers, Chris. And next up, we're very excited to welcome back into the studio, Peter Collar. Pete, welcome back to the podcast, mate. Thanks, Baz, and I have to say congratulations on your 50th episode. Oh, thank you. It's a a great little milestone, but it wouldn't be possible without the people like you coming and volunteering and sharing some of your your expertise as well. So congratulations to you as well, mate. From our behalf, thank you personally. I mean, I know everything that you contribute to the story of cruise and the cruise community and uh, to watch the show, it's grown, it's evolved, it's, you know, it's become a really good production, I'd say great production, information, stories, advice, I love it, it's, uh, I hope it's the first of many milestones to come, mate. Uh, Oh, me too, I'm sure we'll be at 100 before we know it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, obviously, this is a bit of a milestone um, episode, we wanted to talk about milestones in cruising, you've got heaps of experience at sea, so I thought we'd touch touch on a few things today, some things that you've experienced yourself, I know you've uh, personally experienced christenings on ships, Mm -hmm. inaugural sailings, and all sorts of different uh, events with uh, guests celebrating milestones, but uh, let's start off with christenings, I, I believe you've done a couple of those. Christenings, yeah, um, it's it's the the black tie event, isn't it? It's the mm-hmm. the, the real um, celebration of a new vessel out to sea. It's it's so exciting. So the first one I did uh, was for Crystal Serenity. It was back in um, June two thousand and three. Oh wow! Um, I was um, contracted to Crystal as a crew member, so. Um, mm-hmm. I got no building skills, so we, <laughs> as a shore excursion uh, team member, I I um, joined uh, the rest of the crew in uh, some motels in Saint Nazaire in France, uh, where the ship ah. was being built, and uh, yeah, yeah. it was towards the end of the month where most of the, most of the vessel was built. But then we'd go on and 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 make sure our office and everything was, um, you know, all working and. And then we did a little handover because it's an official mm-hmm. handover from the shipyard to the ship, yep. so they you untie. Uh, all the ropes and the crews out on on the decks waving goodbye, and the shipyard officially says goodbye. They've your responsibility now. And then we, um, a lot of people don't know, you, you, it's it's not a straight start up. So you know, we went from Saint Nazaire to um, to Southampton for the okay. uh, christening. But as you go, it's the first time the crew actually get to uh, sit down in the dining areas as a passenger as a guest because yep. the the staff have to work out the best routes for the routes sorry i'm used to speaking to the american audience the best <laughs> routes to um for for the waiter to go from the galley to certain sections in the dining room and the galley has to work out the best ways to you know get the service fully functional and yep. everyone's working out you know for, even from entertainment to, with the lighting and everything so everyone's working out 
their procedures and formalities. So the crew actually get to cruise as a guest so they can, they can practice around a lot of the things. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, we went into Southampton, uh, black tie event, absolutely beautiful. It was um, July 3rd, 2003. I've got all the memorabilia. We had uh, Dame Julie Andrews there uh, with the christening. Oh. But the, the biggest cheer was actually the captain, Captain Marlin. Uh, Radoff Marlin, is, he, he became a personal friend for thousands of crew under the, the Crystal and Royal Viking brands. Oh. And uh, unfortunately, just passed away uh, just over a year ago. But he was everyone's favorite captain. So when he came out, there was a roar and just a delight. I mean, people work so hard to get these ships going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you address, it's, it's a formal atmosphere. And then, of course, they do the, the, the breaking of the champagne bottle. Uh, Dame, Dame Julie Andrews did that. So, that, look, that was great. As a crew member, you have personal pride. You have had a yeah. um, hand, literally for me, it was just a hand, in, <laughs> in the process. But you're proud. You're proud. Everyone's worked towards bringing this to fruition. Mm-hmm. And that's the celebration. So uh, I really enjoyed that. And, and being my first, of course, it was exciting. Um, but then um, I think it was 2017, actually, it was June as well, um, where I got to fly to Paris, uh, meet up with some of the MSC team, Lynn Clark, thank you. <laughs> and we took a train ride to Le Havre for the christening of uh, MSC Meravilia. Oh, wow. And, you know, this was so exciting. So this is as a guest. So you you don't know exactly how the ship looks, the whole, how how it's going. You know, I only know the one christening I've been to. But it's, again, black tie event. And uh, you have to remember that that time when the ship entered service in 2017, it was the sixth largest cruise ship in the world. So we don't get to see this sort of uh, uh, vessel in our waters. But it was so exciting. And then, of course, you see the Italian actress, Sophia Loren, at the ceremony. And the Italians, when they celebrate and form, oh, my God, it was uh, <laughs> and it, you know, it was, it was the Italians plus with a bit of French there as well. You've got the French actors and musical groups doing all the entertainment. But, again, Black Tie Affair, everyone's excited. And it was a different feeling for me. It's, it was special to be invited, first of all, be considered. Yeah. And then when you're on board, because it's a new ship, uh, you, you go exploring, and, and back then, Meravilia had those, uh, still has, well, the LED um, lighting on oh, yeah, the yeah. corridor in the middle of the ship, and that was exciting. It was the first of its kind. and So a, a different feel, but, you know, christenings are j- just uh, a real celebration of the launch of a new venture. It's, it's, um, it's really cool. Very lucky. Yeah, and there's nothing nicer than that new ship smell. <laughs> well, it's funny, I was like, I was very young with serenity, but as we're going, you know, we're two days out from our first sailing and, and we're still taking plyboard down and things like that. And I was like, yeah, we're going to get ready. But you know what? It's it's down to an art, down to the minute. Um, they, they've done it before. They'll do it again. Yeah. It's 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 a real special um, life experience, I have to say. Yeah, and hopefully we can get back to christening ships properly instead of doing it virtually, which we've had to do over the the last year or so, of course. Uh, mm. From a christening, that kind of leads into your, your your next event, which of course is the inaugural sailing, which I'm sure you've been a part of many. Yeah, it's uh, again, it's the excitement, the excitement that's generated from the christening. Uh, it's down to work, and uh, mm-hmm. you're inviting guests on board. All those, you know, many of the the loyal programs, those are the loyalty programs, will be actually invited to the christening. Mm-hmm. So the christening is made up of you know very various VIPs, be it um, loyal um, passengers or you know media, all, all sorts of 
different people. But you know, now's the time to actually showcase what this new vessel is all about. So, look, it's it's never ever ever as smooth as a hundred percent ready for sailing. There's a lot of tweaks, but the I suppose the attention you get when into the new ports. I remember Serenity yeah. uh, around Japan. NYK uh, was the owner of Crystal back then. So every Japanese port we hit was. <laughs> you know media outside he comes a japanese ship uh yeah. on its first visit and it was it was so exciting you know uh, the whole atmosphere um and of course uh we went on to a world cruise from there our first world cruise on there and so everything's a first and it's it, yeah. it, it really is exciting so inaugural sailings yeah it's time to deliver back to the people who have supported the cruise line and again you're just as excited Excellent. Now, Chris touched on this earlier from the historical context, but before all this happens, obviously, there's the building of the ship and one important mm -hmm. milestone, one of many, in fact, is the coin ceremony. I believe you attended one in Shanghai, of all places. Well, yes, I did, sort of. Um, so, yeah, the, the keel, uh, laying, laying of the keel uh, that runs uh, after stern, it's, you know, the, the first section of the ship, the framework that's developed, and it's, it's quite... Uh, ceremonial but with that goes the laying of coin uh i think they've had and chris would know much better than i do but they've had different um bits and pieces that form part of that's not always been a coin but it's mm -hmm. a ritual it's it's a good luck um yeah thing so yes yeah, so i was in shanghai and um we were uh at a <laughs> it sounds very funny but we were in an italian event with venetian masks um, very Italian party atmosphere okay. in Shanghai um, with a live stream to the Ficateri, um cruise ship yard um, because that's <laughs> where they were doing the official uh, coin ceremony. Ah. But the reason they did it, um, of course, was because uh, at the time, sorry, I should mention the ship was Costa uh, Venezia. Yep. And so it was the first custom-built ship that Costa produced purely for the Chinese market. So right. we're celebrating with all the dignitaries in China um, with, of, of course, that relation live uh, to the Ficateri in Italy, uh, courtesy of Costa. So another great event, um, coin ceremonies, again, is it's really part of that um, ceremonial launch of a new vessel. Uh, vessel. You know, it's, uh, it's when the building starts. All the mm -hmm. blueprints are done, all the designs are done. It's time to get in action. So... Uh, a lot of people ask me, how long does it take between the, the, the keel laying uh, to the launch? It's generally, I'd say, 18 months to 24 months, depends on yeah. whether the ship is a brand new ship. In, well, they're all brand new, but what I'm saying is like sometimes they're blueprints of sister ships, so they're yeah, a bit yeah. uh, easier to um, in, in the manufacturing sense. But when it's a brand new blueprint, then obviously it takes a little bit longer. Now, I'm sure you've uh, been a part of many milestones for both guests and uh, crew uh, throughout uh, their personal cruising uh, time. Um, I believe um, things like birthdays, anniversaries, and, of course, people celebrating maybe their, their 50th or 100th cruise uh, happen on board. Yeah, well, you know, when I was first on uh, ships and someone celebrated a 50th cruise, I was like, oh, wow, look at them. And uh, <laughs> then, uh, you know, and, of course, sorry to relate to Crystal, but, of course, that was a big part of, uh, my yeah, on, on board experience but um the first guests came along for their hundredth cruise now these are people that i had spent five years with and virtually six months a year on board with so yeah 
um, you know, when they did their 100th cruise. And back then I thought, wow, 100th cruise. Now they've actually done <laughs> 200 cruises. Um, but, you know, what a phenomenal um, milestone for them. And you know what? The cruise, uh, the crew, sorry, really embrace it. I mean, these are people we are familiar with. Um, yeah. You know, the, the first one I attended and a Japanese fellow, I won't reveal his name, but I won't have to because all the crew knew him as Mr. T. Um, <laughs> you know, wake up, hello, Mr. and Mrs. T. You know, it's day in, day out, day after day, week after week, month after month, and six months, sometimes eight months on board. They're doing every world cruise with you. You know them inside out. You're on excursions with them. I took Mr. T to so many overlands into you know, <laughs> Susuvle and Okavanda Delta and, you know, so many great experience I've had with him, but he's sharing his life with us at sea. So we do become a family. And when they yep. celebrate their hundredth, it's everyone's special. Everyone's congratulated. They have special parties. You know, you feel like you're the only person on earth. It And, and I shouldn't just say 100th, 50th, 25th, yep. you know, the crew know. The, the crew, you know, they get a cheat sheet. They know who's 25th and 50th. Um, because the cruise lines ensure that they, you know, they want Have to make special. sure their guests feel special. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, the crew love it, you know. So, yeah, uh, they've been really great. And birthday, birthdays, of course, um, I had my 30th. On, oh, I had quite a few birthdays on board. But um, you have to remember from the crew perspective, you're away from your family and friends. So yeah. um, the rest of the crew pretty much are your second family. So, it's a different kind of celebration, but, you know, you, you appreciate it because there's always one. You know, have you ever walked up and down the, the, the corridors of various accommodation floors and seen the decorations on the doors? Oh, saying, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, that's great. People should celebrate, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And just curious, um, do crew celebrate or mark milestones of, of, you know, so many sea days or is it more of a so many contracts? No. Well, firstly, with the contracts, I, I don't know who, I, I don't know a single crew member who went out to say, I'm doing 10 contracts because <laughs> we all went with the same, let's try this because it's yeah. a bit of an upheaval. I'm going to, you know, um, pause my life on land and I'm going to go out and test it. So you always, I'm going to do one. Yeah. And then you say, and, you know, during the tough times, because there are tough times, you're like, I'm never going to do another one. But then you think, man, that was good. And so you yep. do your second then you get one, home, and your third, <laughs> and your fourth, and your fifth, and some, you know, some like me end up twelve years later. And I only went out there to do eight months. Um, so, and and I, I'm one of the few who are actually quite anal. I record all the uh, tours that I did, so over a thousand tours. Uh, oh, how wow. many days at sea? How many cruises? How many countries? And all that sort of stuff. But um, most people don't care. They're not so, worried that, that yeah. I am. So no, the crew don't necessarily follow those but uh, there are some out there okay fair enough i um, mean before we let you go i thought we'd just do a little uh, tip for people that do want to mark a celebration i think as uh, cruising restarts there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go on multi-generation or big family and friend reunions at sea so if anybody is marking a milestone be it a birthday a graduation or honeymoon what are your top tips to make it a uh, success at sea well i've got uh, i've got four but you know why would you want to spend your milestone on a cruise? Well, first of all, if you're ever prepared and, you know, you and I actually almost share a birthday, don't we? Like, yes, we do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my 50th was uh, just as COVID broke out. So oh. I had to cancel. I, and I don't really celebrate my birthday, to be honest, but um, um, I just think, you know, 
But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why would people care? But anyway, um, I'm sure they do. Um, so I was like, okay, I should have a fiftieth. So you, you know, preparing the stress of who to invite and you know the preparation at home and then the cleanup and everything else. And you know what, a cruise takes all of that out of play. Yep. Um, and then if you're one of the fortunate ones to be invited to a party, you got to work out. Okay, how far is it? Because I've been invited to some great parties I want to go to, but God, they're far. There's no yeah. way there's an Uber or a taxi. So do I drive? Is there a designated driver? Can I request for a hotel? Oh, it's just so too hard. And of course, the whole experience of that um, party or, or occasion is limited to the venue. Now, on a cruise, the venue is large. <laughs> you got a lot of stuff. <laughs> yep. So a cruise option is just such a no-brainer you don't have to plan well the only thing you have to plan is a guest list i suppose yep and you, you just go out and enjoy it so first of all so i've got four main tips for people who are considering it because we've seen all sorts uh, over the years you mentioned uh, birthdays graduations honeymoons reunions uh, there's all sorts first of all cruise lines do really good packages so just uh, depending on what the celebration type is uh, just check with the cruise lines what inclusions can uh, be incorporated into that fair so mm-hmm. uh, it'll depend i suppose on the group size and things but the crew the thing about crews on on board it's very flexible they're so great at manipulating maneuvering venues and locations depending on what needs are where so look for a package um obviously group rates if you're not just doing a 50th anniversary and just want to do it, you know, special uh, something uh, for the two of you. But uh, if you're doing a group event, um, definitely there's, there's group um, pricing available. So for those new to cruise, just be wary of that. Um, the third one, and I don't know how you celebrate your birthday buzz, but I have many friends that do birthday weeks. <laughs> if somebody doesn't celebrate their own birthday, I, I, I cringe at birthday weeks, but there's so many people that love it. Uh, do you do a birthday week, Baz? I don't, know. No. no. <laughs> but, you know I kind of go below the radar, but, yeah, like, I do know yeah, lots of people that do. you like me, below the radar. But, you know, they, they celebrate their week, so they can do, you know, they, they use the cruise as their week. Or if it's the actual day, if you're in a port, we want a special restaurant or a a special feeling of ambience or, hell, it might be rock climbing or whatever. That's something you can do from a shore excursion point of view. Um, Again, your options are so open being on a cruise that you incorporate both that, you know, celebration with the birthday and and a shore site as well. Yeah. And finally, the the last tip, and I I really do, and it's probably a a topic we'll we'll discuss um, in a few episodes forward, is get a travel agent. I mean, they, they are your party planner. <laughs> They'll customize it, <laughs> make sure it's memorable, and make sure all the perks are added where they are. They reduce all your stress as well. Uh, they'll incorporate you know, special amenities, activities, uh, surprises as well here and there. Uh, of, of course, they're the ones who can actually uh, do some good discounts on group cruising. So you know, to have someone, to have your own party planner, how good's that? At no oh, extra awesome. cost because yeah. they're, they're just working at the cruise price. So and and they're special, you know, specialized, but they're experienced in all that as well. So definitely get an agent for a, a milestone because they'll, if you haven't thought of it, they probably have many of their own clients that have had milestones and 
so they've got experience with that type of um, formality. Yeah, and as an agent, you also get access to the the onboard events team who can help exactly. uh, make it all seamless as well. So yeah, it, it does add. Um, actually, I was just thinking as we were talking about that, we celebrated my wife's fortieth onboard cruise. Actually, oh, it was only a little weekender out of Fremantle, yeah. um, but we invited oh, I think we invited about forty odd people, and about thirty of those came along, and uh, we yeah, spoke with a hotel director we uh, who I knew quite, who was a good friend. Got a private venue. We arranged birthday cakes, canapes. Uh, I opened wow. a free bar for a couple of hours. Yeah, so it's, it's a really Great way to all come together, but also do your own thing because, as you know, like, there's so much to do on the ship. I was, was going to add to that, not that I was invited, thanks, Bass. But um, <laughs> no, 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 but uh, for the um, for the groups, that, that's that's such a important note that you can do the whole celebrative, uh, you know, occasion together, but then you do have that offshoot where you have that access uh, to your own personal, you know, wants and needs. So. Look, you know, in it, and the shorter cruises too. It's amazing some of the numbers you can get on board for groups. You know, they all wear the same t-shirts or <laughs> things like that. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, you know, in in Australia, just from my experience with working with uh, overseas markets, I, I work particularly uh, with Asia uh, as well as, uh, of course, North America. But mm-hmm. we, as an Asar society, don't do group cruises as strongly high in volume as well as um, depth in in Australia. And I don't know whether it's awareness of the advantages or what can be done. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a missed opportunity because, as I said, with all all the stuff that goes on with planning and all that sort of stuff, for me, it's just a no-brainer. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, before we let you go, I um, obviously things are restarting elsewhere in the world, not quite here in Australia, but... um, if that button was pressed and you could go anywhere tomorrow on any ship, where would it be, Pete? We're on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never been more jealous of my friends and colleagues in the UK right now. They've got so many opportunities on the horizon. And, I'm and like, I just oh. heard you and I, one of our the cruise lines that we are both dying to get on, hint, hint if anyone's listening from that cruise line, Virgin <laughs> Voyages, just announced that they're, you know, they're ditching their... Uh, yeah. initial cruise the inaugural cruise which we just spoke about which was supposed to come out of the u.s market and they're they're doing it out of the uk so yeah um, look, I, I, I don't know i really do want to visit that cruise line because i'm just really interested to see the concept um man i, I look i've been very fortunate to be all around the world so I, I don't have a particular destination i just want to be on board and, and yep. i love on board and you know as much as my whole life has been dedicated to uh, the ports and shore excursions i mean that was you know, my vocation for a long mm-hmm. time. I actually do now as a retiree from cruising, but no, visiting <laughs> cruising and, and experiencing cruising, I actually spend a lot of port days on board because... Yeah, it's the best. The, it is. Everyone's ashore and you have to ship to yourself and service, you know, at every angle. And I just love it. So I just want to be on board. That's it. Yeah. Simple. Me too. Me too. Pete, it's been great to have you back, mate. Um, I know you're very busy in uh, your your other job, so uh, we we hope that we can get access to you from time to time and uh, use your expertise as and when we get a list of questions and things. But it's as always a pleasure to have you on the show, mate. Until next time. Thank you, Baz. My pleasure, and I look forward to it. Well done again, and uh, look forward to the next 50. Okay, next up on the podcast, we've got a great friend to the show, Nick Ferguson from Princess Cruises. He's the Director of Sales and Marketing down here in Australia. Nick, welcome to the podcast. 
Thanks, Baz, and thanks for having me on. Great to be here, uh, and I hope hope you're well. Yeah, no, pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Now, uh, as we know, it's been about a year or so since uh, the, 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 the global and the, the local pause of, of cruising and international travel in general happened, but um, things haven't been quiet back at Princess HQ. Uh, you've been very, very busy with uh, lots of different things that are going to elevate the cruise to, uh, to the next experience. But the one that excites me the most and the one that I have difficulty explaining is Ocean Medallion. Like, I really do generally believe it's a game changer. Uh, but when I try to tell people about it, they, they just kind of get a glazed look in their eyes and think I'm just a bit bit loopy. Um, but having experienced it, I think it really, really does take the cruise to the next level. Kind of explain it as best you can without getting all too techy. Yeah, sure, Baz. Uh, yeah, to, to, to keep it simple, uh, the Medallion class technology simply enhances and, and personalizes the guest experience. And I'll get into some examples of that shortly. I guess there were four guiding principles that the team used when they were creating this experience from scratch. And one was about um, simplifying the process, whether that be the process for the boarding um, Mm -hmm. or disembarkation, whether it be how you order food and drinks. The second um, principle was that personalization. They wanted to personalize the experience for our guests. Uh, They wanted to be able to foster relationships with our guests and crew, but they also wanted to create a tool that would empower the crew so Mm -hmm. they could have something that could elevate that guest experience uh, to the next level. And just to touch on on some of those experiences in terms of how we're we're enhancing and personalising the guest experience, to take a simple one, it's it's the boarding process for a ship. You can know it can it can be a lengthy process. There's lots of people mm-hmm. trying to get on a ship in a set amount of time. So we like to talk about now with this new medallion class experience. You can you can uh, talk about a curbside to poolside in under ten minutes, and, and it, it's true because a lot of the paperwork is done from yep. home through the medallion class app. Um, so you've already checked in when you arrive at the cruise terminal. It's just simply a case of dropping off your bags, scanning your medallion, and away you go. Um, another feature is the the, the keyless stateroom entry. So you simply uh, walk up to your door and it unlocks itself. Um, yep. In the past, you would have had to get your cruise card out, insert it into the door. As long as your medallion's close by, uh, that will automatically open for you. Another personal favourite of mine is the the Find Your Way um, application. Uh, And this is about um, finding your friends and family on board. So Yeah, um, I love this. Yeah, really, really important for families. Uh, If if you're separated from your kids, uh, you can easily look up on on your um, application on your phone or one of our screens around the ship to see where your kids are, whether they're up in the pool, whether they're in the kids' club that sort of thing. So it gives you that sort of reassurance from a safety point of view, or it might be simply down to, to meeting your friends in the bar rather than having to give them a call or a text. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can simply look them up and you know which bar, uh, bar they're in because the ships, you know, are big. And if you're on a cruise uh, for the first time, it t- does take a while to navigate your, your way around the ship. Um, another big uh, feature of this find your way is you can use it to navigate um, around the ship. So whether it's you uh, wanting to find the closest restroom, uh, bar, dining venue, or just getting from point A to B, uh, it's, or even just finding your way back to the, your cabin, it, it really helps with that process. 
And then another big feature and certainly uh, one of the most popular features of Medallion Class, it's all supported uh, by Medallion Net. And this uh, Medallion Net is, is very fast. It's similar to lamb-like speeds. Um, and it's a real great feature to have, um, whether it's watching, you know, keeping up with your Netflix uh, programs that you like to watch, or you might need to do a bit of work while you're away on your holiday. Uh, it's easy to log on and, and use the, the medallion net. Um, yeah, so I hope that's given you a, a good good summary, Baz, and, and I've hope I've yeah. been able to simplify that for you. Yeah, and I have to agree, the, the speed of the internet on board was incredible. You know, there's been a few cruise lines over the years that said they've had the, the fastest internet at sea, but uh, the, this is incredibly fast. As you say, it's just like uh, home-based uh, internet speeds and having that ability to use the, the, the internet if you want to. Um, but yeah, I love that uh, Find My Friends kind of feature with the, the, the device. But I think we also need to just quickly mention it's a wearable device. It's a, a little disc that you can wear. And there's lots of different ways you can wear it. You can buy uh, jewelry items to make it into a bracelet or hang it around your neck. But it is very, very discreet. You, you, you don't feel like you're walking around with a, a big lanyard or anything uh, around, around your neck. Yeah, no, definitely. And some of our guests do, do like the lanyard, so they can still wear their lanyard with them a day in class as well. Um, mm-hmm. or you could simply just keep it in in your pocket. Yeah, I have to agree as well, Nick. Uh, having experienced Medallion and spoken to the, the crew on board, they really do love what it enables them, and it enables them basically to deliver much much improved service, and it really is a, a game changer to them. In fact, some of them did say that uh, they would never work on a non-Medallion ship, but of course, every one of your ships will be Medallionized by the time it comes back into service. Yes, that's correct, Baz, and, and that's really exciting. And and yeah, go, to your point about the crew, I mean, I think also the Wi-Fi, uh, the Medallion Net, is a big plus for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they they're obviously doing long stints on board the ship, and uh, keeping in touch with with their family and friends is important to them. And we've really seen uh, the crew uh, engagement really pick up for those crew working on those medallion class ships. And when you've got a happy crew, it elevates that, that service. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I'm right in thinking that once you've got this infrastructure on board the ship, it can evolve multiple times. So the chances are that things are going to be improving over time and new announcements are going to come out over time as to what medallion can do as it, uh, as it develops. Yes, I mean, Medallion, uh, what we like to call 2.0, uh, will continually update and enhance. And we, we've got a number of uh, exciting enhancements uh, on the way that we've been working on. We can't share them today, but certainly mm-hmm. uh, we'll be able to share those in, in the coming months. Brilliant. Now, I know you're still working behind the scenes on the, the healthy uh sale protocols, which uh, will obviously be ongoing until service does resume. Um, but there's a lot of excitement in, in the uh, the industry and a lot of excitement in the Princess office because um, things have been uh, going full steam ahead. In fact, just last week, you announced uh, a new deployment, a new restart for cruising in the UK. Uh, yes, we did. Uh, and that was very, really positive to see a start date for, for UK cruising. And Look, speaking with my counterparts over in the UK this week, uh, they've seen significant interest uh, for those new programs, both for Princess uh, and our sister brand P&O UK over in the UK. So that's really positive to hear. I don't think I've ever been more jealous of my friends and family living in the UK. The fact they can get on a ship from May onwards <laughs> is <laughs> making me green with envy. So, of course, you've got Regal and uh, Sky going to be uh, starting up in, in the UK. But uh, closer to home, just recently you've announced a whole new deployment for 22-23, which went on sale last week. I believe it was a huge success. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. We are, yeah, we've launched our new 22-23 program. Uh, we've got 134 departures on sale, um, 90 different unique itineraries um, to 108 destinations. So lots on offer, but certainly, uh, yeah, very popular, particularly uh, Coral Princess longer voyages. Mm -hmm. uh, in particular, the 107-night world cruise, which offers um, departures from Sydney, Brisbane and Auckland. And really, it's all world cruise has always been really popular with our guests. It's just one of those voyages that it really provides an affordable way for our guests to see the world. And by offering sort of multiple departure points, it, 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 you know, guests don't have to worry about flying either. So... Um, that's been really popular. Also, Hawaii, Tahiti, South Pacific, and of course, the circumnavigation around Australia uh, has also been really uh, popular. And also, that has various home port departures as well. Um, yeah. and, and another one uh, for the Western Australian guests is that 10 night Coral Coast voyage, which is round trip from Fremantle. Uh, that's also been, um, we've seen a lot of interest in that as well. Yeah, it's just great to see Princess back in in the West Coast. It's uh, we've missed you. We really have. Yeah, no, and we're we're happy happy to be back, and um, and we're happy to be back uh, in in lots of other states as well. We've got for the first time uh, we've got two royal ships based out of Sydney, yeah. Majestic and uh, Royal Princess, which is exciting. So Majestic will will sail just from Sydney only, and but Royal Princess will offer some other departures from Adelaide and Fremantle. And then we've got Coral Princess. Uh, that'll be sailing from Sydney, but mainly home ported in Brisbane. Uh, but we'll also offer a couple of departures from Fremantle and Auckland as well. And then we've got Grand Princess, which will debut in Australia, sailing out of Melbourne. Also Excellent. offering a couple of um, sailings from Adelaide. So we're really excited about that, that season ahead. Yeah, there's so much uh, so much demand for people to, to get back out. I'm not surprised that you've had a, a bumper launch with that. Uh, but of course, we have got the 21-22 season ahead of us as well. And um, I know that the, the, the diehard uh, cruise passengers uh, who have cruised for many, many years probably were a little bit saddened to see the departure of Sun and Sea when, she re when they were retired. But that's just a natural evolution of, of um, cruise life. What is exciting, though, is that Sapphire kind of replaces what uh, they previously did. And uh, I really like some of the, the stats around Sapphire. Yeah, I mean, Baz, it's never easy to say goodbye to some of our much-loved ships, um, especially Sun and Sea, and we wish them well uh, and safe seas. And, but we're looking forward to welcoming a younger fleet, as you say. Uh, we've got Sapphire coming, and also another one to point out is Coral Princess. Now, Coral yeah. is a great uh, mid-sized ship. Uh, it carries 2,000 guests, but yet it offers like a wide range of public spaces and amenities normally only found on much larger ships so that's mm -hmm. that's certainly been popular with some of our guests that like sun and sea uh and then also uh, sapphire as you say um that carries 2700 guests uh it's medallion enabled um like all our ships now but also with with sapphire it offers a lot more premium cabins than sun and yeah. sea did so over uh, about 60 percent of our rooms feature a balcony uh, which is great, uh, and lots of dining options, including my personal favourite, the Sterling Steakhouse. Ah, okay. You just answered one of my questions <laughs> for later. <laughs> yeah, someone told me Sapphire was built um, for for long, longer voyages, lots of sea days. Like it really, really does reconnect with the the ocean, which uh, I love the thought of. Yeah, no, definitely. And and another one to point out, um, not for our local deployment here, but a new build that's. Um, 
coming online at recently Discovery Princess, recently yeah. flighted out last week. Um, and we're looking forward to welcoming that ship to our fleet, uh, which would be the Northern Hemisphere spring of, of 22. Brilliant. So much excitement. There's so much, uh, so much positivity around crews at the moment, which I'm absolutely loving. And uh, great that you can share some of uh, your news there. But we uh, we always like to give every brand a little opportunity for a shameless plug. Um, so we've, we've touched on the fact that you've got your new deployment, but uh, maybe talk us through the, the cruise with confidence and any other promotions that uh, are kind of currently bubbling away. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Baz. So the cruise with confidence, uh, and we like to... The, the part that we like to focus on is the book with confidence. So yeah. that's where guests can cancel up to 30 days before they sail and you get your cancellation fees back as a future cruise credit. So you don't lose any money. It simply goes mm-hmm. into a future cruise credit uh, and any time 30 days before. Now, this it, it, and this gets updated regularly, but currently this is for all bookings made through to the end of April uh, of mm-hmm. 2021. And it only applies for voyages through at this stage through 31 December 2021. Okay. Um, yeah, so have a look at that. Keep an eye on that. Yeah, and then the other part is the that what I wanted to share with you today was the Twice as Nice campaign, which is the current campaign that yeah. we're running in market. We've only just launched this, uh, but guests have got plenty of time to book because it's it runs through to the end of May, uh, and guests have the opportunity to earn a two hundred dollars onboard spending money for those bookings on interior and ocean view um, state rooms but then we double that uh, for bookings on balcony and above um, so and all our most of our product our home port local voyages included with the exception of a couple of products like world cruise and the circumnavigation of australia so plenty of options for for, for our guests and um, it's not new news but uh, you of course have the the, the pricing strategy at the moment where you can choose to have um, the, the cruise fare or you can have the, the cruise fare plus beverages and plus wi-fi um that's proving very popular i believe yes very much so the princess plus uh has been really popular with our guests so that includes the the wi-fi and the beverage package uh it's only an extra 40 dollars a day for guests to add that uh to the to their cruise um, package um and we're seeing a lot of guests um take up that option but we do have um, our normal fares as well, which don't include any of the any of the add-ons. It's just simply the the, the cabin. So um, we've got both options for what our guests prefer. Yeah, because you'll always have those people that uh, either don't like to drink or don't want to drink, and uh, really just want to, to to have the what they perceive as the the, the best value. Now, before we let you go, we always have a bit of fun towards the, the, the end of the chat, and we've got a couple of quick-fire questions. You've already answered one of them, but we'll still throw it out there. Um, you don't know any of these in advance. So the first one is sunrise or sunset? Uh, for me, I'm a morning person, so I'll go sunrise. Everybody on the East Coast goes sunrise. Everybody on the West Coast goes sunset. <laughs> uh, midship or aft-wake view? Uh, I'd have to go aft-wake view. Mm, movie under the stars or the sanctuary retreat and pool? Uh, I'd have to go movies under the stars. Okay. Uh, best feature, seawalk or the water and light show? Oh, I'd have to go the sea seawalk. Yeah, it's pretty oh, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sabatini's Italian or the Crown Grill steak and seafood? Oh, this is the one that I, I've answered already. But yeah, Crown Grill, but only just. Uh, okay. Sabatini's Italian, a favorite of mine as well. Very hard Excellent. to split that one. 
<laughs> we've uh, we just embarked. We're in Sydney. We're just about to do sail away. I'm at the bar. It's my shout. What are you drinking? Uh, I'd like to start with one of our craft beers, um, Baz. So, yeah, okay. if you could help me out with that, that'd be great. <laughs> and uh, what would you say is the best feature of Medallion? Oh, I'd have to go back to that Wi-Fi experience compared to what we used to have to what we have now. It's just uh, it's just amazing. So, uh, and it's really enhanced and allowed the whole um, Medallion class experience um, to come to life. Brilliant. Now, lastly, if um, if we were past COVID, it was behind us and things have completely returned to normal and you could cruise anywhere tomorrow with anybody you liked, where would you go with whom and why? Um, I'd probably hop on a, 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 a cruise to New Zealand with my wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, New Zealand is a, a personal favourite destination of mine and I haven't had the experience of doing a full 13-night round trip. Um, I've done a couple of sort of coastals back and forth yep. across the Tasman. So that's uh, certainly on the bucket list for me. Brilliant. Get it locked in. Let's have something to look forward to. Um, now, before we let you go, just one last uh, shout. If you've got a message for your loyal past passengers, your Captain Circle members, or anybody just considering a Princess Cruise the first time, the floor's yours, mate. Just uh, send them a message. Yeah, thanks, Baz. Just a big thank you to all our past guests for their support and loyalty. Look, we look forward to welcoming you back on our ship soon uh, when it's safe to do so again. And were, we're really excited about our new day-in-class experiences and we can't wait to share uh, those with you and also the new experiences. So stay tuned for more information on that. And um, hopefully I'll get the chance to come back uh, onto your show, Baz, one, one day and I'll, I'll be able to give some more updates on that. Of course, always welcome. Once you've got some exciting news to share, just uh, drop us a line and we'll, you're more than welcome back on the show any anytime. Um, it's a pleasure, mate. Thank you once again for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon, Nick. Thanks very much, Baz. All the best. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.